Jason. Yes. Got Jeff G. Holt on the line. <laughs> What's up, dude? What's up, boys and girls? <laughs> Ladies and germs. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, we're oh, we're idiots. Uh, I told we did this last week, me and Cody, and I've been putting this off. You know, I've been putting this off for a long time. It's not. I mean, I talked to you about this like a year ago, but I, last week I did it with Cody. And he's like, "Hey, man, we we should do this every week. This is really fun." I was like, "Cool." He goes, "Let's do Jeff right out of the gate." I'm like, "Yeah, get the get the." The one fucking guy that knows media better than anybody to to be the first guy on our multi-person podcast. Awesome. Thanks. <laughs> I like it. I'm having a three-way. Right. <laughs> been, been a long, long time. Right? <laughs> exactly, man. So uh, are it's you... funny, dude. Y'all, y'all got me. Like, you know, I, I told you to definitely hang out and do the thing, and I'm actually out at a... Top Rocker Harley bike night. So perfect. He's here and a bunch of motorcycles go by. Now you know why. Yeah, no, that's perfect. That's a perfect ambiance for the background. Our, uh, we, we won't be able to blame yeah. our audio on us. We can just say, oh, he was noisy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, before we get to, into the nuts and bolts, what we really wanted to talk about, I've, I have to ask you, and, and you just be honest with me. What in the fuck is happening with the prices of Hutch Trick Stars on eBay? There are people, there are several people selling know, them man. for six to ten grand plus. Yeah, I mean that's just the way it is, dude. Like it, those, those, that day is the day, and the day is now. Like everybody that wants one is, is getting in on it, you know. And the prices are uh, getting sky freaking high. You, you can't know? even get a you can't even get a frame for a grand. They're like, uh, it's like the, oh, the CFL. Yeah. Oh, I know. It's crazy, man. I mean, prices are crazy in the ebb and flow, you know, everybody's like, they see one, you know, certain model or certain something that gets built and they're like, oh shit, I'm so down with that. And then, you know, a bunch of other dudes follow suit and then bam, bam, bam. Do you, you know? do you follow any of the vintage BMX stuff? Oh yeah, dude. I, I collect and build vintage BMX bikes. Well, I knew that you did that. I just wondered if you participated in i mean you get enough social media everywhere and, and everything you go on like bmx oh, museum yeah. and stuff like that yeah and i mean i spent way into that and then also you know being privy to that born free knucklehead thing like you, you can you go, hmm. like the prices that i tell people man i got bmx bikes that are you know, born free knucklehead money and they're like oh and i was like oh yeah like it's for real all the way across the board like it's not even funny so you know, two of the you two know, of the bikes, the BMX bikes. You know, two of the two yeah, of the most pre eighty stuff is not. Yeah, right. So like, in, in pre serial number Hutch stuff, and and I don't even know if they did any Trick Stars that were pre serial number, but there's a guy that had a gold Itzen uh, replica, and he wanted like sixteen grand for it, and uh, it was on like BMX oh, yeah, Museum. Dude, the, gold, the, the gold ones are nuts. And I mean, uh, that, that's I mean I I you know. I personally hung out and rode with Woody Itson back in the day when that whole thing was going crazy. And then when he was the GT, you know, uh, team dad, <laughs> and he was the writer and the team manager. And uh, that dude still has one of those bikes. It's crazy. Like, you know, he's, he's a, a super OG. Last time I saw it, it was complete. Yeah, he it's has it nuts, in, like uh, in his house in Texas. He's got that one. He's got he's got several yeah. of them, but that he he posted up on BMX Museum because somebody had asked if it was the original, and he posted up the picture of, of his in his in his front room. 
Um, I, I wanted Cody wasn't huge into BMX, so I feel like I'm alienating him right now. So I'll I'll cut it a little short. But if you could have one bike, you get to keep one bike. And go back in a time machine. What do you, what are you getting? What's the holy grail? Uh, it would be uh, it would be an OG SE Racing STR one with a Botima full fork on it. Nice. That would be, probably be it, dude. It's like the weirdest combination, and you know, but that's the super rare of the rare, you know. I thought well, I thought you fucking were, badass. Yeah, well, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I I would have thought I the two that hit me is a Cook Brothers something, you know, something from them. Oh yeah. And uh, a, a Daryl Young, JMC. Like a yeah, JMC did, but I mean, like the Cook Brothers stuff was so weird because they never made two of them alive, even though they said they did. Really, I didn't know that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. They might have a production run of them, dude, but it wasn't, they, you know, they were all over the place. There's a place in Clearwater, Florida, or St. Petersburg here over by me. I haven't reached out to the guy yet, but he has all of the original Hutch um, fixtures, and they, he built frames for Richard, and he also did stuff for MCS oh, wow. and CW, I guess. But anyway. Oh, dang, it's so weird. There's so many, like, unsung dudes that just knew how to weld, and then they ended up with fixtures when the when all the shops went belly up. <laughs> right, yeah, when you were you were part of that BMX deal back then. So, I mean, you, you know, I, oh, yeah. I was kind of fading out when that stuff, I faded out at the same time it did. I, you know, I got my driver's license and uh, never looked back. Got into street racing and stuff like that. Yeah. So, but, yeah, man. So, I wanted to find out about, I mean, you've been on a public, uh, couple podcasts here lately, so I don't want to be laboring the old stories, but what I, I really want to talk about is, Going forward here, the V-Twin visionary thing, you you rolled that out uh, July, yeah. was it July 4th I or mean, 5th? And uh, tell us, tell us like, about that, like a little bit more about that particular, where, where you're taking it. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, kind of for me, it was really, I, you know, working with Hot Bike and all the other motorcycle magazines, it was just, you know, another feature bike after another feature bike, another feature bike, and then... You know, you didn't really get the whole story on the bike unless you were talking to the guy that built the bike, but usually the guy that that owned the bike didn't build the bike, and so you, you never got the right story. So, I mean, I, I decided I'd, I'd kind of be, you know, in-depth about the people behind the bikes. You know, the welders, the, the guy who made your frame, the guy who painted it. The guy, you know, I don't have nothing against the feature bike thing and the total thing, but, like, you know, it's more in-depth coverage of, of who makes the, the V-Twin lifestyle, you know, actually work and move. And, you know, I'm keeping a lot of shitheads out of it that, you know, I came across over the years and, you know, letting letting the light shine on a bunch of guys that, that, are, that are, you know, not very good self-promoters or not very, you know, that, that's not really into that. But still, you know, everybody likes to, to get their uh, their, you know, their story straight and you know I, I that's pretty much where i'm at with that and then you know a bunch of new products that i come across that i dig you know and it's really just kind of i've kind of just melted it into one thing it was what i, what I always kind of was like well i thought pop like should have did this or street chopper should have did that or bagger should have did that you know working for the corporate giant you really couldn't do that how so, do, how do mean, those how do those companies kinda, you know <clears throat> I, how are those companies going to have any so, I mean, future at all for the print media companies? I, I don't really know. I don't really know. Like, you know, it's kind of a, it's a hard thing. 
you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, it's a billion dollar a year corporation and, and they're really cranking it as far as, you know, trying to do it corporate way where it's, you know, one guy's doing 10 jobs and, and, you know, that's still not good enough for the corporate machine. So, I mean, that's, they're the last to take the pay cut, really, right? Uh, it wasn't palatable, you know, and, you know, of course, you know, when we parted ways, you know, it was a big shock to me, but other than that, you know, kind of, it didn't really matter after that. Right. Don't you think it's bitter, bittersweet though, that, I mean, you, you parted ways and then being able to start between well, visionary and then seeing. Yeah. Well, I get so much support from people and just people I don't even know, like DMing me or sending me emails like, Hey man, I'm really, I'm really stoked you started this thing. It's, it's along the lines of what I really did. Like, and you know, like this industry is full of shit talkers and backstabbers, dude. And like for those, for those people to be able to just be cool enough to spend 10 minutes writing an email or DMing me, it means a lot. You know, I got a lot of true friends in this deal and you know, they, everybody supported me 10 times more than I thought anybody would. I, you know, I'm not the kind of person that's going to ask, you know, or think I deserve it. But are you, you know, I think that, are you afraid of the same situation to where you feel like people are going to reach out to you for the sole purpose of trying to, to gain something by it? I mean, I mean, I know with well, that, like that, that was an everyday thing. It's just, you know, what can, what can I do for you so that you can do for me type of deal? I mean, are you afraid that uh, you'll be back in that situation honestly, or are you seeing something different? Well, it's just part of the job. You know what I mean? You don't, you know, people come at you, you know, you don't know if it's for good intentions or their own intentions or whatever, you know, you just got to ride it out and see, you know, like yeah. you don't, you don't really get the, uh, you know, once bitten twice shy rule. You just kind of got to go into it wide eyed and, and make the best of it on the back end and, that's just kind of the way the game's played when it comes to that thing and being an editor and working in the motorcycle industry, you know? I think Jason and I had several conversations about being in that predicament to where we've talked like, man, how, how do you, I mean, because for the, for everything that I know about you, it was always is, is cordial, polite, you did everything you can to try to, you know, you could just tell people, Hey, fuck off. We're full. I don't have time for that. But you never did yeah. that. You were like, no. hey, we're, we're going to try to do this. We're trying to do this. And then, you know, you get so inundated with stuff that how do you ever get all of it to print or get everybody well, I mean, that wants you know, to in the magazine in it? I mean, yeah. And I mean, luckily, so, I'm in control of the situation 100%. Like before, you know, when it came to things like getting people paid, freelancers, I mean, contest winners, as you fucking know, like, you know, the corporation doesn't want to cut a check for anybody. And, you know, I, three, four times, ten times you try and get the, the company to do that. Well, I don't have that problem now. I got, <laughs> I got me and me Absolutely. and me in a checkbook. So, I mean, right. I love that, you know, and if I want to say fuck, shit, piss, cunt, whatever I want to fucking say, I can. Well, That's as awesome. long as Facebook allows me to post right. it. Well, yeah, you're not, you're not going to monetize your YouTube channel using those words, but I right. do, I do th think that, you know, from on the onset, my initial impression of what I was seeing is it was very... Um, Vice to me, like if you're familiar with that that the Vice Guide and all that stuff that's on on HBO, oh, yeah, and it, yeah, yeah. it it really seemed yeah. uh, organic. The, you know, watching you uh, in front of the camera in your shop, talking about what you're doing. Your posts have been, you know, still consistently, but organic is the only way I know yeah. how to describe that. To where I felt like it was real, you know. 
Well, for me, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty easy to talk about what I know about in front of the camera or in front of a lot of people or in front of anything else. And, you know, you add it into the mix that, you know, I'm trying to get make this my livelihood, you know. <laughs> you got to kind of snap to that shit a little harder. But, I mean, it is – it's just easy for me to talk about motorcycles. It's the only it, – it, you know, I love my kid, my old lady, my dogs, and my motorcycles. Like, <clears throat> right. You know I mean? Like, it, I know it well. It's my life, you know. It's my livelihood, and I'm fortunate enough to be able to be in that position. And you know, to to be able to kind of pick up, you know, you know, kind of the phoenix rising out of the ashes and fucking just chart my own course and have you know people support me. That's, that's what, what more could you ask for? No, I don't right think you, I don't think you could ask for much more than that. I mean, um, yeah. What when you're when you're setting up um, what I would consider, you know, obviously you're, you're in the, you're the, the, I wouldn't say you're in the planning stages. Obviously you're out of the starting blocks and Cody and I were talking last week about how you're kind of such an outlier in this, that you're the first man to jump off the ship and actually do something that is multimedia, but internet based and full of information that people aren't, people aren't paying for your content yet on, on, on my side, you know, on our side of the information that we're getting. So, I mean, I, I think yeah. you're kind of a bit of an outlier, and I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Oh, definitely. You know, and I'm, like I said, I'm very fortunate that there's companies that are like, well, fuck, man, I, I haven't put one dime into that company that you used to work for since you got kicked out the back door of it. And, I mean, these are major corporations. It's not like some dude in his garage. And I'm like, wow, you know, the day I opened, the day I started my shit, they're like, what can I do to help you? You know, where, where do I send the check for the ad dollars? You know, fuck dude, they're getting, you know, hot bike moves a lot of fucking shit online. I know I'm, you know, Ed Subius and I were the guys that got those million five Facebook followers organically. Right. We got the 115,000 face or uh, Instagram followers organically by being core people. And I mean, you know, for somebody to, you know, it's all about the like game. It's all about the, the, you know, that kind of game. And for, you know, advertisers to know for the first year or six months or whatever that they're not going to be able to get a bunch of click-throughs but still support me with, you know, a fairly good amount of money. Like, Yeah, that speaks that's volumes really about where they thing. see you're going. And that's the motorcycle industry, though, you know. nobody. It's a labor of love from everybody. I don't care if you make tires, handlebars, helmets do paint jobs you, you know you, you're the guy that does oil changes like it's a labor of love or you wouldn't fucking be doing it no you're right about that i mean i uh you know i'm when when i started doing this six years ago there wasn't there was i couldn't find any other motorcycle podcast now there's several out there so i've been kind of i would say binge listening to kind of hear and and here's what i'm catching i'm finding out that um everybody's in the same predicament it's just the economy is to scale where they're at you know, Agreed. I, I think guys that have been in the business yeah. as long as I have around 15 years are in the same boat. If you're still here after 15 years, you, you've got to be doing a couple of things right. Right. And so, right. you know, and, and so I, I see this is a, a different opportunity to, to look at the motorcycle business from a different from a different perspective. And at the same time, like you mentioned, um, how much support you've got you know, from, from the front side and the yeah. back side that we're, I tell people all the time, we're in a tiny billion dollar industry. I either know everybody 
or know somebody who knows everybody because I know you and you know, right. I know you know everybody I don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's, that's the way I dig it, you know? But, and, you know, you meet, you meet people like, you know, this industry's right because you meet somebody like Roland Sands who's, you know, was literally born into the industry and, you know, born into a fair amount of dough. Right. And that dude's still one of the coolest motherfuckers you're ever going to meet. Same thing with, you know, Zach Ness or, you know, any of these people like that. And they don't have to be doing that. Like, they all have badass college degrees. Like, they, they don't have to be in the family business. They, they, they can fucking jet out and do way bigger and better things, but they choose to stay, you know? Right. Well, and to be fair, I mean, you look at a guy like Roland Sands. Um, yeah, he was born into one of the first families of custom Harley-Davidson motorcycles. But at the same time, he's had there's been opportunities where that family you know they're they're owned by the mag group now or at least their intellectual property and their in their businesses they could have gone home a long time ago and went surfing yeah and i mean that's just the way it is you know like i don't know i i, I love this industry and i mean like you said like no other you know any other magazine kind of got magazine or got shit out of the back hasn't you know picked up his fucking his shit and started a thing you know they all went into a marketing job or they all went into you know some sort of uh, other industry deal so well, cody i don't was, know i'm just i'm just pitting ahead no i get it and i think we all are cody was talking last week cody what were you, you were saying about you know you still you still appreciate a tangible tangible product i kind of want to just touch on that because i have hot bike magazines that are almost a half an inch thick for a one month subscription and we we're talking about how hot bike is still pretty decent size wise, but things got a lot smaller and smaller to where now, like my Carcraft magazines, I don't know if you get any car stuff, but the Carcraft magazines are like a Harbor Freight flyer. Well, I mean, it's not, it's, it's, it's like if you were to tell me on paper, okay, we're going to take all these fucking, you know, if we're in a meeting, you're like, we're going to take all these dead trees and we're going to make fucking magazines out of them and we're going to ship them all over the country. And only 17% of them are going to get boxed. So then all the rest of them are going to be destroyed. It's like not a feasible fucking working model, dude, at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know? that's kind of, I never thought about the, that. That's the deal. That's why nobody can do it anymore. 17%. Yeah. I mean, the print product we're doing is print on demand and it's print on demand. Like say, you know, you guys like, Oh, the new issue just popped from between visionary. So the deal being is you you go on to take a link from my website to this place and you can buy a printed product for $10, $25, all the way up to a $200 gold gilded stamped leather covered book of that issue. So anybody oh, wow. with any sort of price wise can buy it. And then it shows up at your house like five days later. So, it's, oh, that's badass. Yeah, that's kind of like a halfway yeah. in between an iTunes purchase and an Amazon purchase. You know, of a tangible CD. That's still, exactly it, man. That's fantastic. That's a good model. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I just took that model that a lot of self-publishing, you know, book guys have and fucking ran with it for like a magazine. Talking about the the industry and progression and growth and you know the magazine shrinking and how, what do you feel like the motorcycle industry as far as riders buyers do you think the number of buyers is shrinking do you think the number of riders is shrinking <laughs> jason, jason <laughs> and i've talked about this and and we're, we disagree so 
Uh, what do you think? What, what, think what do you think growing. the market's doing? I think it's I think it's growing, man, for sure. Well, in you, specifically, what we were talking about, Jeff, and I don't, I, I know you didn't get a chance or not interested. What I don't know if you listened to podcasts or not, but last week we were talking about how yeah. Co- Cody had read that it was down like seventeen percent, and I said, "There's no fucking way that there's less motorcycles this year than last year. The only they could sell a few less new ones, but that could be that could be propped up or." Those those statistics can be you can manipulate the data to meet your statistics sometimes if you if you leave certain things out certain metrics out. Well, I didn't I didn't say we were down seventeen percent. What I had what I had read was that there were two hundred thousand less new registered motorcycles. So in in terms of new buyers, are the guys not buying new because of price? So they started buying used. I mean. Uh, I think a lot of people are buying used. I think a lot of people, uh, you know, the younger people aren't riding motorcycles until they're older. I mean, there's, there's kind of a lapse right now between new riders. And, but yes, is that you know, a, there's a lot is of that a price point? To ride, things like that. Is it a price point? Because the, the newer bikes seem, I mean, what are they, 10% higher or, or even more on, I mean, like a, a new Fat Bob, which is the bike that I'd like to buy at 20 two grand for the 114 versus right. I mean if you compare that to a new Dyna a couple of years ago what are you at 14 grand I mean you're talking you know ten thousand dollars difference in price do you think that's causing younger buyers to buy new mo- used motorcycles versus they buy of course they buy used bikes man that's, that's the key factor right there and they have so what, what they do don't you- have the same models either you know what do you think Harley has to do different to get those guys on the newer models That's a tough uh, one. I don't know, man. Like, I just think that I think that it's that's the way it is, you know. That yeah. it, you're going to make models that people aren't always going to get, and I think there's Harley really screwed the pooch when they launched this soft tail and killed the Dyna. Like, they could have did it a hundred different better ways, and they didn't. And uh, they're paying the price for that right now. Yeah, the dealers well, see, that I talked I mean, to are not doing well. What's that? The dealers that I've talked to around here, they're not, they're they don't know they don't know whether to shit or go straight. I mean, I I don't think they're bad motorcycles. Everybody that I trust, their opinion, yours included, said those are good motorcycles. They ride nice. They do what they're supposed to do. The launch was fucking was shitty or not supported correctly right. or not not planned out correctly. So the guys at the dealerships don't know whether to shit or go straight. They know how to sell a Dyna. To a Dyna customer, a soft tail to a soft tail customer, and, and so forth and so on. So right. they really. Uh, it's it's going to be a couple of years, dude, until that gets all figured out. But you got to remember, they're still going to be selling sportsters and baggers. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Uh, do you think the aftermarket, I mean, I for one think as the, the aftermarket picks up and, and starts getting behind the new soft tail line, you know, as they always do. That oh yeah. When people start seeing new products and people building these bikes, that it will it will create more interest in the soft tail line, solely based on the aftermarket. Not anything that Harley does, but solely oh, based on the aftermarket industry. I mean, and yeah, I'm, I I'm I am so pro aftermarket everything that it, I mean I, I don't want to talk shit about Harley, but at the same time I just I don't understand why 
There's so many brilliant people in this industry with so many good ideas that could help them with with their launch, with their line, with their and it's like they refuse to let anybody at the table and then they do this, you know, they, they launch this line, like you say, to to me it was a failure. But they have all the support in the world if they just would reach their hand out. I mean Right. I would agree with that. And I don't understand that. I don't understand that. I mean is well, it, they're just, is it a, no, they're, they're just a, a Midwest that's protecting their assets, dude, and, and that's the way they look at it, you know? Huh. Yeah. I mean, the, like the, the the branding and the pedigree, I mean, is is kept, has kept them along for kept them alive for a long time, and I think that that is. I don't know if they're losing market share, but I think they've got to change the way they do some things to continue to grow. I feel like Indian Indian is slowly gaining some traction on oh, yeah. the Harley riders. They are. Why doesn't Indian build a motorcycle with that 111 that looks decent? That I mean, not decent. I, that sounds shitty. Um, but I, Cody and I were talking. I'm like, he and I are not going to go buy Chieftains. It's just not going to happen. They're they're even though they're a good motorcycle, yeah, no. they're just I mean, kind of well, aesthetically they, they clunky. Went, well, yet again, they went for the two strongest markets. They went for baggers and sportsters with the scout. And you know, I I can guarantee you that they'll have a, a bid. They'd wait bike, you know, probably launch by the end of the year. Hmm. Okay. No, that's cool. It just it you just know, felt like there was a hole in their like, lineup. Oh, okay. That's yeah, like that's the master plan for them for sure. I think that they what? have the biggest opportunity to cater to, and I'm not I don't mean this in any dispar- in a disparaging way or anything, but the yeah. the growing the, yeah. where I see them actually being able to shine is building a bike that is got the bigger motor. It's still it's still class. It's in the same class as like a deluxe or a heritage, and go after female riders. Right. Oh, that's definitely what's coming. I mean, they would be dumb not not to have that, you know. Yeah, because I don't think that the women feel like there's necessarily the loyalty the the loyalty backwards from from Harley back at them that right. they give to them that they give to the men too. I also well, think I the younger generation. I think the younger generation too. I, I think they're leaning towards price and reliability. I think there's a lot of the. I don't. I don't even know how to use the term millennial correctly, but the younger generation yeah, seems to look does. at. <laughs> the younger generation seems to look at price, quality. They yeah. study. They get on the internet and, and Google review Yelp, whatever they fucking do, everything about it before they make a purchase. So, I mean. Yeah. Is that going to make a difference to the buyer price and quality as we move forward? Or is it going to be the ability to customize the product that they're buying? I guess is that's one of the well, questions I mean, I, that I, I thought I about. Used to tell, I, I used to tell people all the time, like, if they would always ask me, I was like, if you're going to buy a bike to customize it, buy a Harley. If you're going to buy a bike just to leave it alone, buy an Indian or a Victory. Right. Because they, oh. they don't break down and they have more power and they actually ride better. So, like, you know? No, I would agree with that. Uh, I would uh, agree with that. You know, and if you don't care what the bike looks like, y'all know the Indians and Victories are way uglier than any Harley. So. Yeah. Well, did, did you hear what I mean, Kerry Hart said the other day? I, Kerry's like, I can't see myself riding it. <laughs> Only other people can, so I don't give a shit. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know. Yeah, but everybody that, that said that about baggers or, you know, chopper dudes saying that about Dinas, they, they, you all, they all do it. It happens. Right. 
Oh yeah. I you know. Well, uh, I don't. I don't want to be on a fucking bike that I don't think I look cool on. I mean, I fuck. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, everybody can say that. You know, it's like I told Jason. Everybody's like, I, I'm building a bike, and if everybody hates it, I did my job. That's fucking right. stupid. I mean, nobody builds a bike to take it somewhere for everybody to not like it. I mean, in my yeah. opinion, I think you get on something and you you buy the aftermarket parts and buy the you know the cool shit to go with it, and you want people to think you look cool. I mean. I, 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 right. That's what I think. I don't think anybody wants oh, somebody to go, man, you're by, you're by. That's totally legit. You know, so talking about, Jason made a, brought up a comment about the 111 big power. I, I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about this leading edge 151 kit. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what's in your I, M8 I, bike? I mean, all right, yes. Uh, I've, I've ridden the bike that the stage one prototype motor was built around. Which is like 162 horsepower, 170 something foot pounds of torque, and then we're actually putting a stage three in the M8 FXR, and the computer model, which was accurate on the stage one, said that it'll be over 200 horsepower and over 230 foot pounds of torque. That's what we aspirated. <laughs> That's more than a Mustang GT had in 1988. <laughs> I know. I don't even know. So, what uh, I don't know whether to say I'm jealous, yeah. tell you to fuck off. I don't even know where to go. I mean, I, I'm, it's, I'm... It's crazy. I mean, working with these guys, you know, like one dude worked at Lockheed Martin. The other dude built, uh, has built, like, everybody's ever pulled or won in NASCAR's motors. And then the other dude's like a trophy truck motor builder. Like, that's won, like, five Baja, 500,000 and, and all the other shit. So, like, the the, the provenance of the of the team that put together this motor is, is fucking insane and i'm pretty stoked to be a part of it you know well what what made them i mean have they been in the harley scene or did they just get when the m8 came out i mean what landed them in the in the v-twin aftermarket i mean because i've never uh, heard of a, guy, a guy a guy named uh danny wilson uh goes by motor witch oh yeah he's been okay. built crazy he's built you know all my motors and crazy shit and they I actually, heard you talk about him. So. Yeah, they've, uh, they ran into each other through people that knew him, and and uh, he pitched the idea to him. Like, you know, they're both out of Phoenix, and uh, he pitched the idea to him, and they're like, yeah, let's do it. I mean, everybody knows, you know, trophy trucks and NASCAR motors aren't going to pay your bills. Like, you no, but they're durable. Consumable. Right. <laughs> and they, there's a, you know. And there'll be a 131 drop-in kit, so you don't have to bore the cases. And then they're also uh, working that. on, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're also dang. working on uh, on some uh, hop-up stuff for twin cam, which will be out, you know, first part of the year. Them old twin cams, so, right? <laughs> but so yeah, I mean, but the deal being is, is the the Milwaukee Eight just lends itself to be able to fucking get a lot of horsepower out of it for a little bit of work. I mean, a little bit of work is $9,000 worth of a motor kit, but I mean, like, come on, man. Like, that's, that's <laughs> you know? Listen, like, no, I mean, honestly, a, a if you want to... And your motor says 151 on the side, like, they're like, game over. Yeah, well, and to put yeah, it into I, perspective, I just did a rebuild on a 107 today. I did the, did the bill on it. And we did from the crank yeah. pin up, new bearings, lap the rods, you know, um, put a new crank pin in it, new pinion shaft, all this stuff. By the time we were done, five grand. And this is a 107. Oh, I know. 
<laughs> so that's what I'm telling everybody. Like seriously, like it's, if you look at it and you look at the competitors' pricing for Twin Cam and M8 pop and stuff, it's 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 not it's, bad. It's a deal. My uh, the motor in my Kenny Boys Pro Street was fifteen grand. Old Shovelution with Mackie heads. Right. So that's not yeah. cheap. <laughs> no. Yeah. I've, I've 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 ridden a 151, but it was a, it was a single can Evo that R and R built. Yeah. And this has been in like yeah. 2006, 2007. And that motor was dealer cost on that motor was over 15 grand. I mean, right. well, that's because you got and the diamond cut. <laughs> not on that. Not on that. One. <laughs> <laughs> What a dick. Well, it looks really uh, good in his living room, Jeff. You should see it. It's beautiful. That's not a 151, Cotchuck. It's a 127. So. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff's seen that motor. Jeff Jeff tried to promote it a little oh, yeah. bit for me and sell it online, and I couldn't couldn't get it. Nobody oh, even yeah. knew what it was. I mean, I still have yeah, that motor. Yeah, that's so. Right. But that's all right. <laughs> like I got a little pour up FXR project that it can go in. So Right on. Uh, <laughs> what a... Talking about motors and big motors and high horsepower shit. What, uh, whatever came of the electric bike that Harley was rolling out? That well, was kind of a big uh, deal a couple years ago. They ended up buying an electric motorcycle company too. So I think they they've got some big shit under wraps that they're, they'll probably be launching, you know, next year or the year after. I mean, I love that bike, dude. I I love that live wire. It was so I fun to ride. Did. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't get hot stuff, under so. your legs. Like it, it was automatic. Like it was. It, I called it the bike that would save motorcycling. Well, I remember being any, anybody could get on that bike. Anybody could ride it. Like inner city, you know, you're still cool. You're not on a scooter or a moped. It's a Harley product. It looks like a Harley, and you can do stuff like stuff like you don't have to learn how to use the clutch or gears. And you can make motor noises that. with your mouth. So. <laughs> put it put a so card in the spokes are you, looking, are you looking forward to that i mean are you looking forward yeah. to harley having an electric product i mean you think that's a oh, definitely i think i think it's a it's a viable viable product for harley to make and a viable one in the marketplace cool nice now they just need oh. to not make it thirty thousand fucking dollars right yeah, yeah that'll be the next you know, thing was, they do i told them i told them if it was thirteen thousand dollars Instead of thirty thousand dollars, you'd sell a gazillion of them. But you know it's going to be twenty-five grand. Right, right, right. They're going to try to be that. Shareholders got to eat. Yeah, the shareholders got to yeah. eat too. <laughs> shareholders got to eat. So um, yeah. you're taking. Uh, obviously, you're going to. I know you're going to be in Sturgis, but so you're going to have a very different. Um, I, you don't. You're not beholden to anybody anymore. So what are you doing with V Twin Visionary and Sturgis? What's your? Uh, what is your itinerary We're look be, like? Uh, we're going to be set up at the crossroads. Okay. Uh, the lawn and, 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 and all the folks over there were kind enough to get me a spot. And uh, Leading Edge is going to be there, too, and uh, Race Tech Suspension. And, and get, I kind of get together with my preferred people that I like, and Continental Tires has a huge thing there. So, I mean, uh, Stunner Cycles out of Arizona. So, I mean, there'll be some cool, cool people there and doing some fun shit. That's kind of where I'm at. I'll be all around. Like, you'll see my... I got that brand new uh, black band says Me Twin Visionary on right. it. So tell everybody to stop me and uh, 
there'll be stickers and shirts and hats and probably beer in there. <laughs> are you are you going to um so they added uh i think michael ballard added a, a and i know everything you do now isn't just one one direction but i i know i met you two years ago at the fxr show so i'm assume i'm assuming you're going to be at the fxr friday but are you going to do oh, yeah, has sure. michael ballard are you supporting anything that happens over there with their fxr show or dyna uh, i haven't really talked to them much about anything but like, like i said I, I don't really hold any allegiance so i'll be kind of everywhere right okay cool uh, um yeah so i think that's kind of the major thing for me is like being able to be out having fun and doing shit you know hanging out with my old lady and my friends you know instead of being here 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 and then you know i'll have a synopsis of what's going on and about it you know a bunch of social media stuff of the crazy time Sturgis, so. I'll be looking for the social media stuff. I'm not going to make Sturgis this year. I, I promised my oh, kids I'll I'd take them up to. Yeah, I promised my, my 11-year-old daughter that she's been asking me to go to Maine for like five years. And uh, I don't know why do I'm an 11-year-old, but I, that's where my, <laughs> that's what I've got to do. I told her I'd uh, take her. Lobsters. That's exactly what she wants. She wants to go to Maine and eat lobster. So That's awesome. I, I mean, I'm going to take her to Maine this year and then. Uh, I'll be at Sturgis next year for sure. I just I'm I'm kind of bummed because yeah. I felt like, you know, I think Jason and I talked. He didn't think a lot was going to be going on, and I thought, no, I said I told him I, I think this is the year that I feel like I'm going to miss something. I feel like I I feel like it's going to be a great year there. I feel I just feel like that yeah. I'm missing out. I'm bummed that I'm not getting to go. But uh, I don't know. You'll you'll have to put some stuff up because I'm going to be I'm going to be Jones and oh yeah, I'll be I'll shit, be doing so. you know I'll be doing tons of daily posting so. Are you going to be uh-huh. at any um, of the Daytona events in the next year? Yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. Uh, what about uh, what about the Tennessee Motorcycle Revival? Have you thought, have you thought anything about that? I've, I've never been able to go, and time wise, I just I can't do it this year. But doesn't, doesn't money wise, but like you know, it's something I love, something I was really behind happening. You know, huh. I think that you know it's going to grow exponentially over the years. Yeah, that's an area of the country that doesn't really have. Um, they've got a lot of motorcycle riders. They just don't have like a specific event. You know, there's there's the uh, what happens over bikes, blues, and barbecue that happens in Arkansas, and then there's really yeah. nothing that happens other than Laconia, Daytona, and uh, Myrtle Beach. Uh, but those are on the coast, so there's oh. nothing that's kind of midway. So I I think it'll be kind of cool. Right. No, I think it'll be cool. And Carrie Rep puts on it. She's you know, I, I knew her back in the the Seminole Hard Rock days, and um, that's where I met her. Oh, at. Yeah. And, and she, you know, she put oh, some good events together. Yeah, absolutely. She's she's in it for the right reasons. So, um, I want to talk a little bit about. Uh, I, I read just social media, and you see guys, so many different guys getting pissed off at so many different guys about this guy has this part, this guy has this part, this guy copied this part. I mean, I heard you say it the other day on a podcast, that, and it. I don't remember which one it was exactly, but you said, look, man, everything has been done. I mean, oh, yeah. everything's been done. So where, where does the line get drawn to where guys making a certain part, part and another guy makes a part similar, but there's been several other parts that were already similar. I mean, where does the line get drawn to where hey, look, man, nobody's getting their feelings hurt anymore? I don't give a I mean, fuck. You know, I mean, it's just, like, it's, just if, if, it's gotten so freaking like, out of control. People, it's, 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 well, yeah, it's a fucking marketplace, dude. Like, 
you know, you can only make so many parts for a bike, and, you know, people are going to copy them or paint them a different color or etch their own logo in it. And it's like, you know, if you don't like it or if you feel, like, threatened by it, then don't fucking cry over the Internet about it. Fucking hop in your car. Fucking go to the dude's pad and fucking, you know, talk about it face-to-face. Right. Face. Don't play a whiny fucking bitch on the Internet. <laughs> hey. You know, I, mean, I, like that. I like that answer just because I'm, I'm so tired of seeing everybody, like, well, he copied me. Well, his wheels are round, and he painted a bike blue, and I already painted a bike blue. And I mean, yeah, social media gives so many people an outlet to bitch about stuff. But I'm like, dude, this this industry, yeah. like Jason said, is the smallest billion dollar industry out there. Why doesn't everybody yeah. support everybody? Why doesn't everybody get behind them and go, you know what? Those fucking grips are badass. I mean, so what if they look similar to what somebody else was doing 20 years ago? That somebody else yeah. already pinched, and you made something similar. Who gives a fuck? If you like them, buy them. If you don't, move around. I mean, it, it just, just seems it like it's got happen, out of control. People, people are just always going to feel wronged over the slightest thing, you know? Just human nature, man. Yeah, everybody will. Everybody thinks that everybody's so self-important these days. They think their shit don't sink and everybody else's stuff sucks. And meanwhile, oh, yeah, everybody's getting their derby covers. Yeah, meanwhile, everybody's getting the same guy to make their custom derby covers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, shit, man. Um, I really appreciate you taking time to do this, especially before surges, because oh, I know you're anytime, super busy, man. man. Anytime you get some flaky guest that fucking backs out or you need more more bullshit talking, dude, just get back with me. I I can do this for hours. <laughs> right I on, appreciate man. it, man. So, I really do. Cool deal. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Be good. Thanks a bunch, man. All right, bro. Be, be good. Be careful with Sturgis. All right. Ciao. Well, that was cool. I don't know how. Uh, how yeah, man. I don't know how perfect the audio 40, is going to be. Minutes. Yeah, there's a little. That's there's right, a, there's a little piece in there I didn't that know you were got. Fixing to, to cut it short. Uh, yeah, I just uh, there was so much background noise, and we we're at almost 45 minutes. I thought, you know what? I don't want to burn them out on it to where. Um, right. we run out of things to talk about and stuff because I'll have to do I'll have to do a fair amount of editing on this but um, a couple of things that you know it's really tough to pin somebody down and, and, and find out um, what they really think is going to happen especially in, in the environment he was in too he wasn't able to just kind of kind of chill out but I do appreciate the fact that he said any time you know if we get somebody who flags out because that, that could happen yeah. you know you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and you know what? He sounds—he sounds. I mean, to be honest, he sounds way less stressed out, right? Stressed, stressed yeah. out. Like before, when he was with Hot Bike, I, I felt like he was maybe at his max with dealing with bullshit, and I, he just sounded genuine. He sounded like everything was was going the right way, and I mean, you know, I, I mean, I think you and I and Several other people are really looking forward to the, watching V Twin Visionary grow. I mean, uh, I, I without so. without a doubt, I, I think that, like I said last last week, that I think you know, I'm, I hate that I'm not trying to sound like a fanboy because that's not the case at all. Jeff's a friend of mine and friend of yours, and so um, that's why it was important to have him, you know, have him on to talk about it because he's got something new he's doing. But uh, he's, dude, if you think about it, it's uh, mid July. He got he you know parted company with hot bike in january 
it takes a lot of balls and he's obviously got his shit together because he was able to put off work, you know, put off launching it until he knew he had it right in the way he wanted it. He legitimately waited seven months. So it's not something no, that was no, done I, overnight. I agree. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that he's, he knew exactly what he was doing. I think, I think he was taking it slow, gathering thoughts, you know, uh, putting it in motion without trying to rush it. And, you know, I mean, I think he did good. I think I really actually think he, I don't want to say surprised everybody, but I think, I don't know. I, I just, I think it's a cool thing. Well, well, listen, man, there's something that happens here, you know, and, and I know, I, I, you know, I, sometime one of these days, we're just going to have to have a conversation on here about, cause there's things I don't know about, uh, bad company customs and stuff. Your, your first shop. And, uh, it didn't seem like, um, even though we were doing it at the same time and knew a lot of the same people, we didn't end up in the same room. I mean, in all the different opportunities that we could have, and, and this is a small, small industry. And so it was just, it's kind of shocking to me that, uh, that, that we were able to, you know, we ended up making a friendship out of this thing way, way into it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then there's probably a lot of that. When I got into the industry, man, I didn't travel anywhere. I was on a shoestring budget of, of trying to make a shop work, trying to pay my bills, trying to keep the shop open. I mean, you know, really just getting getting my feet wet. And, you know, and for one, I, and I didn't really, I wasn't antisocial. I just wasn't, I wasn't one of those guys that just went out and talked to people and felt comfortable talking to people. I, I felt like I was probably in this industry, I felt like I was surrounded by people that were better than me, you know, and it took me a long time to ever feel comfortable in a room with people who I, I mean, for the most part looked up to, I mean, you know, you got to think when I got into the industry and was going to Sturgis or going to these rallies that it was the Billy Lanes, the Aaron Greens, the Jesse James, the Indian Larry's, you know, uh, all these guys were, were still, setting up booths at Sturgis and whatnot. And, you know, TV made everybody, whether they were famous or not famous, it made them seem famous. So they were, when I we think, were at those events, when you were at Sturgis, yeah, Billy I, I, Lane or, you know, at Daytona, Billy Lane doesn't not get bothered. You know what I mean? He's being, yeah, I, he's being accosted at, at every turn. Well, I think, I think things have tamed down a little bit to where guys, even guys like Billy or Jesse are still approachable. I mean, you know, I think it's chilled out to a level to where every, they still have fans, but I think they, everybody dialed it back a little bit. To, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm all for meeting people and shaking hands and saying hi. And, you know, I mean, I've probably had numerous opportunities to, you know, be a fanboy if you, if you want to use that term. And, you know, I, I, I don't know that I've gotten my picture taken with, you know, few people. I'd rather get my picture taken with a guy like you or, or Boosted Brad or, you know, Jeff or, or guys that I consider friends in the industry than I would get my picture taken with somebody because they've been on TV. I mean, I, I do, that doesn't... It, well, that's, that's what cool, I mean. It's like, but, for, for me, it was always more important that friendships like ours was more important to me than um, somebody that I didn't know knowing who I was. Does that make any sense? Like... Well, I don't, Absolutely. I don't need Absolutely. somebody that doesn't I mean, know me. I want, I have friends, you know? Well, that's like me. I mean, I don't, 
I mean, I rode today, but it, at 112 degrees, it was so fucking hot. <laughs> it, I mean, it was miserable. It was fucking miserable. I mean, and I, and I do like to ride, but I would rather drag my motorcycle to, on a trailer to Sturgis and ride fucking ride around the Black Hills or whatever and meet up with you guys that are my friends and spend a week just bullshitting about what we love. We love the industry, even if we don't ride a whole lot. Well, if we walk to the bar and have drinks versus riding anywhere – I'm, you know, I mean, I think that's just part of the, the camaraderie you get in this industry. And I think, you know, I, I think some, some guys do it a different way. Some guys want to load up in a pack of 20 and get all their shit packed on the back of their bike and they want to ride all the way to Sturgis. And, and that's, that's cool. I, I do want to do that. Yeah. I think some variety in that would friends. be fine, but I do appreciate the us hurrying up, getting there to enjoy being at Sturgis more often. We have, you know, if we would have... If we would have ridden, let's say we would have ridden last year, it would have taken us the better part of two and a half, three days, I think, to ride there. With, if, if if everything went smooth. Yeah, so two or three <laughs> days there, two or three days while you're there, and then two or three days back, I'm, I would rather a day and a half drive there, a day and a half drive back, and spend five days or six days in Sturgis, you know what I mean? I like going to all the parties. Sure. I have friends. See, that's the thing is none of us. I mean, you know, you've got a you've got a circle of people that you um, hang around with at your, you know, in your town. I have a group that I hang around in my town. But damn it, man. My best friends are people, you know, my best friends in this industry are not people who live by me, unfortunately. <laughs> well, and I, and I think that's where, where you and I are probably even like Boosted Brad or guys that we're friends with that we all meet at Sturgis and hang out. I think we're in a different environment than guys like that live on the, on the East coast up North or, or, or I, sh- I shouldn't even say East coast more, more anything, the, the, the West coast, because there's so much motor. I mean, it's the Mecca for motorcycling and there's so much going on all the time with it that everybody's kind of in a circle around there from, from Southern California to Northern California to where, where I'm at, I mean, I, the city that I live in, that people are like, that's a what? A Dana? A Dana, Dana, what? Dana, why God? You know, I mean, it's nobody's, everybody thinks an FXR is a sportster and everybody thinks a Dyna is a sportster and everybody thinks that anything that's not a bagger is a sportster. So, I mean, if it wasn't, I don't even know that I would, would enjoy the motorcycle industry if it wasn't for the friends that I've made in the motorcycle industry. I mean, I have, I have some really good close friends here where I live and then I, and I can count them all on one hand. Right. I have just as good of friends in the motorcycle industry that live thousands of miles from me and I can still count those people on one hand, but it's amazing to me that I've met those people without the motorcycle industry. I would have never met those people. So it's for me going to those rallies and calling and talking about bikes. And I mean, it's, I love building them and putting them together and, you know, and doing all that. But I think going to meeting up with the guys that I've, the friends that I've made through the motorcycle industry is the most important part of it. Yeah. I mean, you know, you brought up boosted Brad. Um, he and I met in 07 at NLP, 08 in NLP. We did some horse trading, you know, on the, you know, over UPS and stuff and over the internet. And then I didn't see him since 2000, 2008, 
because I didn't go to 09 NLP because Karen and I were getting ready to move. So it was one, two, seven years that I didn't see that dude. I saw him again in 2016, but, but we've always been, we've always but been that acquainted. connection got brought back. It got brought back alive through the motorcycle industry. Yeah, that's my point. Is if I wouldn't have been in the yeah. motorcycle industry, and he and I have similar backgrounds, and that we both race Mustangs. Uh, we need. We do need to get boosted, Brad, on the podcast, though. And uh, you know, he's he's uh, if we can get him to talk a little bit. I heard him on Jason's podcast. He's loosening. He's loosening up a little bit. He's he's slowly kind of starting to. You know, he asked me a couple of years ago at Sturgis, like, you know that dude? I'm like, nope. He goes, you just went up and talked to him. I'm like, yeah. Motherfucker <laughs> can't eat me. Right. I mean, you know, I just, so I think he's, he's getting out of his show a little bit. So, I mean, well, uh, you know, uh, he's, he's, he's got his, he's got quite a few really nice bikes under his belt that, that aren't, uh, that aren't necessarily West Coast choppers anymore. I mean, he's got a product line that he's got and he, dude, he works his ass off on managing that stuff and getting it manufactured and, and stuff. I don't know what all's entailed in all that, you know. Well, I think, I mean, the dude has a, he had a full-time shop, full-time paint, full-time parts manufacturing. I mean, full-time dad, the dude, he has a lot of shit going on. I mean, he really has so many things going on. That, and, I, and I asked him, like, how do you juggle all that shit, man? I mean, I've got a little bit to juggle, but fuck. He's like, man, it's, it kills me, but I got to do it. I mean, you know, and good for him. I mean, I'm proud of him for, for, for doing what he's doing. Hey, he's got three kids, one real little one. He's got. Didn't he? Isn't he? Isn't he pulling out of the the service end of the business though? You know what? I think he's trying, but I, I think it's one of those things to where you it's tough. You want to you want to pull out, but at the same time, you want to keep your store open. You want to <laughs> keep pull, a customer base. <laughs> his pullout game isn't as strong. <laughs> 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 his pullout game is weak. Kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's. Yeah. Dude, that's uh-huh. funny. Um, <laughs> I'm, not I'm leaving that alone. Yeah, we'll just leave that. that one, we'll just so. leave that right there. Yeah. Um, but what do you? Okay, so I get that he wants to do just paint, and we'll have to talk to him about that because he's really good at it. But when you, it's tough to give up that. It's not quite mailbox money, but having a service business is that's steady money. You know, it's, it's, everybody needs an oil change. Even if they don't pay you to do the oil change, they still need somewhere to buy their oil and filter. And, uh, you know, that's something that's, that's happened to me recently since in the last six months, we moved in back into a retail location and dude, I have people come in and that I don't even know, come in, they buy oil, filter, plugs, go home, do their own service, which is cool because that's just over the counter sales. You know what I mean? Sure. I mean, that's a, I mean, you've got to have that, they've got to have that option. And then, you know, I used to get pissed off. I'm like, why the fuck are you buying your own oil? I mean, I, I sell oil and I can do an oil change, well, you know, but <laughs> right. I mean, it's good for people. You can't, you can't do every oil change. I mean, back, back you know, when Cody was aggro. <laughs> yeah, well, I can still be aggro. I'm just, I, I try, I'm trying to chill out a little bit, but hashtag vodka. <laughs> so. We, we hadn't hashtagged enough for at so-and-so. Or, I mean, I feel like we should throw a shout-out. I mean, we just had Jeff Holt on. We well, were, we hashtag V-Twin Visionary. Yeah, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you, you, you're still listening and you've heard enough of the shit show, but uh, check out at V-Twin Visionary and at Jeff Holt on Instagram. We're talking about our buddy Boosted Brad. Uh, at, at Boosted Brad, Death Metal Racing. Check him out on Instagram. Uh, you know, yep. I mean, uh, we're... 
there's a, there's a lot of good things happening and uh, with V-Twin Visionary. Uh, yeah, we don't I have so any... anything I wanted to ask him. I just, you know, I had all these questions I wanted to ask him and then he got online like, uh, uh, yeah, you know, well, he, fuck, he, I froze up. Well, I mean, it's because he knows how you to, know? you know, he, dude, he does this all the time. So things like this, I mean, he's, you know, he's constantly, he's got that elevator speech right there. He's ready to go to tell everybody what he's going to do next. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's, like I said, this dude took, he didn't take six months off. He pulled back for six months and, and built a new brand. It sounds corny to say that, but that's what it is. It's, it's a, it's a, a media that has the potential to be a, a, like a media mogul kind of thing to where he can, he's going to have, you know, he said he's going to have a print thing. I like that print on demand. That's a clever idea. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah, I think that's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I heard I'm you. Yeah, you so. definitely are like, you're like, really? Oh, that's that's awesome. Okay. Yeah, I can see you doing that. Yeah. Hey, I can't dude. wait till he's got some positions posted available online for job applicants. Yeah, you can go and be his ball washer when he goes golfing. Um, see, there you go, drinking <laughs> haterade. <laughs> um, 100% alcohol. 100%, yeah. 100 proof. No, so... Uh, He's gonna no. He's gonna have. Um, God, I can't. I lost my train of thought. But uh, he'll have enough. He'll have enough different types of. He'll be able to be flexible. You know, I'm sure there'll be eventually be a video product and and I do. I would pay. What is it? It would be if you bought every episode. Like let's say he had an issue every month, which I don't know if that would even. He's, it doesn't sound like he's gonna produce it just that think, that common. Think about the ability. Think think about the ability. Say, let's just say hot bike. I mean, and I and I still get Hot Bike. I still read Hot Bike. I, I mean, it's the only magazine I still subscribe to. But Hot Bike says, "Hey, we're going to do this ad on helmets." Uh, so everybody that's interested in having their helmet, send us your helmet. Right. So it takes. By the time they send a helmet, it gets there. They write a review. They do all this bullshit. Let's just use thirty days. Let's use sixty days. He's in a position with social media. They can mail him a helmet. He can do a review take pictures, show it online. I mean, this he can do all this in an afternoon. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, my point. He, he and can, he can he hit can, different kinds can, of media. He can write the article. Yeah, he can take the pictures. With one button, he can he can send it to every social media outlet out there with a button. I mean, he can he can take pictures, write it up, talk about it, show the features live, show the features in a video, talk about it, and in a click, have it to a gazillion people in the country. I mean, that's a... I don't know. I mean, it's pretty, it's not pretty smart. It's, it's really smart. I mean, not, not that there's not guys doing things similar, but in that platform that he has being, he's going, you know, he's going to have like hot bike, a million and a half followers and 200,000 Instagram followers. And I don't know know. as sad as it is to say, that's the, that's the day we live in. That's the times we live in. Yeah. But isn't that a good thing? I mean, you wouldn't get mad if, if, not that you're mad, but you wouldn't you wouldn't think it was an oddity if if they said, "Dude, we print a million copies of that magazine a month." Well, they're not going to do that. That's ridiculous. Especially they're talking seventeen percent of the product is the only amount of product that gets purchased. Everything else gets trashed. Right. So that means what uh, 83 percent of the product gets destroyed. That's a lot, right. and you're using wasting trees. Wasting fuel to move it to the left to, to one place and then throw it away in the trash. And then a truck takes it to another place and it fills up a landfill. 
It, it, not everybody needs that. So if they have a million and a half followers, that's a lot. That's a lot, dude. <laughs> yeah, and and and, and really, for, I mean, I'm not a I'm not an environmentalist. I don't think by any means. But talking about moving it from place to place, the transport, the trees, you know, throwing it away, you know, you, you're talking about saving a lot of. I mean, there's a lot of different aspects that you cut out that could be beneficial. You know, I mean. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, like you say, though, let's just say he's got a million and a million followers on between Facebook and Instagram. You know, let's say 200,000 followers and you get, let's just say 5,000 people order a print on demand. Fuck, man. That's, I mean, I think those are pretty good numbers. Yeah. I'm sure he's not getting, um, He's probably not getting, you know, obviously he's probably not making a ton of money off of that, but he's probably making some money off of that, you know? Sure. Probably a buck. You know what? The, the fact that, that it may be a limited production thing or they may offer, like you said, a, a gold-binded limited edition. Well, there's different you know, There's different price the points. Sh- right, but that's the shit that I like. I mean, I want to have you imagine you know, if you had hey, a, we're gonna yeah, a hardcover of the one that your bike was on? That's pretty cool. Yeah, that would be cool. I mean, you know, that's the one thing about print media that I feel like, man, I guess, I, you know, maybe I started building cool shit too late in my career. To what are you talking notice, about? But maybe there's some, you know, maybe that, that's well, what, if print media starts to go away, you know. Yeah, maybe. I do like having a brag wall, you know. I've got yeah, the... I've but got, I mean, I guess, I guess you can still, I mean, I've got my one lonely FXR hanging on a, one of those things that everybody calls you about once you get in a magazine I mean, it's, <laughs> that's cool to have i mean i look around boosted bradshaw and he's got like 79 features and i'm like fuck man i feel like i'm oh know, well that's what he went after fire, that's what he went after you know i think you said it before to me you're like dude you got to get out if you want to be recognized as something you have to go out and do it and i agree with that but dude i didn't i, I didn't know how really i'd say that's the part that i feel bad about because you were super talented i mean if you look at that chrome frame bike you built, that Paramount that got stolen. We're going to yeah, find that eventually, dude. That We're going to find that fucking thing. It's going to show up eventually. Wow. Um, it's, it's gone, bro. I don't think anybody cut it up. I think it's just not sitting. It's I, I don't know. But um, I'm saying I those... those well... Just, I just can't say his name. Hmm. So. Are you fucking with me? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've always had a theory about who took it. He didn't actually take it. I think he paid people to take it, but that's my theory. I mean, uh, you know. Well. That's all I'm going to say. My point is that those bikes were, those bikes were, at that point in time, and certainly today, worth every bit of, of a magazine article. I just don't think I think you were landlocked and being in being in Texas where you were at and not, you know. Well, not not just Texas, but I'm in Abilene, Texas, which <laughs> I love the city I live in. But Shout I'm out surrounded to the city of Abilene. By, yeah, I do I love Abilene, but I'm surrounded by I mean I would literally lately, move there. I mean we're dude, I wish you would. I mean I I, I tell Angela all the time I wish you would move here. And then in the summer when it's hundred and ninety six thousand degrees I mean, you'd be like, "Fuck, I'm gonna move back to Detroit." But, no. Uh, no, I mean, the thing about Abilene, the thing about Abilene is, right now, I mean, for all intents and purposes, the big wheel bagger scene is not over. 
it has slowed down so much, but that's when we start to see the trend hit here. When things slow down, when prices get a little cheaper and, you know, but we don't see it on the level that, that we, you know, baddest bagger and, and the stuff that you're doing out on the East coast of your shop, the, the really nice and tight 26 and 30 inch bikes. We're seeing guys. Those will slow down for me too, though. Yeah, but that's when the market starts to hit. It starts to hit me when it's hit everywhere else in the country. And then the prices start to come down, you know, and, and the Chinese manufacturers have gotten on and they're producing the, the complete bag kits for ninety nine ninety nine. <laughs> in the, you in, know, in the raked trees and the, <clears throat> I haven't cut a neck in two years. But I've got I've, I just took, I just threw all the necks out last week um, that I have I think I have nine or nine or ten necks that I did. Yeah, but I mean that's that's slowing down. People are going to oh, just yeah. bolt on trees or just a rake tree, and you know, and there's lots of guys. I mean, and I hear people talk about it all the time. Man, if you're not going to do it right, don't do it. But there's so many guys, like you said, a guy comes in and buys his own hole. Well, now you got the guy that's he's buying his own trees and buying his bag kit, and I mean. You know, I mean, I've seen all types around here, and I'm not the greatest builder in the world. I'm, I mean, I, I can put a de- pretty decent bike together, and I take my time. But there's guys that, man, they don't see what you or I or other guys in the industry see. They see, fuck, it doesn't matter what it looks like under the paint or under the seat, or it's it's throw it together and tell everybody I've got a 26. I mean, it's, yeah, it is. I'm, it, I've it, got a bike it, at the shop right now that's like that. And it's like, God damn it, man. I, I want to do every detail perfect, but I can't. It's it's just not that kind of bike. It's driving me crazy. Well, and that's the that's the difference in pe- being in the industry. Like I tell my friends all the time, there, I said, if you were on my side of the fence and you saw inside the motorcycle industry and how hard people work, like the guys at Toll Design building bags and, and doing all the stuff that they do to bring, I mean, you know that stuff's not being made in China. That stuff's being made in Las Vegas, dude. And I they're doing it right there in their backyard. Working with fiberglass in fucking Las Vegas. No, it's. I was out there, at Sean and Matt's shop, and I'm like, holy fuck! But they're producing a product in Las Vegas, in the USA. Guys busting their ass day in day out to to make a product that they're test fitting and taking off and changing and test fitting and taking off. And I mean, you have to support that. You can't, I tell guys all the time, I'm like, you, you guys don't understand that I couldn't build a bagger and put a whole bunch of Chinese manufactured parts off of that bike and show up at any industry no. event with that bike because <laughs> of my peers would be like, bro, are you really you come out to my shop, we buy you beer, we hang out, and then you're rolling up with the, uh, that that shit you, you got I mean, bagger bags on it or whatever dude i totally yeah, agree with you, you man you i don't can't do that I, I, you, no. you can't i mean i but tell the, people all the time that my shit's going to be more expensive because i'm going to use you know I, I like handlebars i mean i tell like i've got some some torch industries bars that people have tried to buy i don't know i've, pr- I've tried to sell them 20 times if i count up to those bars i'm like they're 450 and they're like what <laughs> i can get the same almost the same bar on ebay for 99.99 i'm like kick rocks fucker i get <laughs> yeah, I get it, but it's not something that, I mean, these guys are, are in Arizona. It's a made-in-the-USA product. It's hand-built, handmade. I mean, they, they're they welding it. They're crumb. They're doing everything, and, they're, and they've got the best knurling in the industry. Their bars have the best knurling of a handlebar in the industry, period. I, I mean, I don't think anybody has a knurling better. Um, and guys are like, oh, well, 
fuck knurling. I don't need knurling. They can just be smooth. I'm running an 18 inch eight with no knurling. <laughs> yeah. And there's and, and when I hit the railroad tracks. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. man. Cool. I had a I've got I've got a guy right now. I'm doing a um. This guy bought a. Do you remember Ultra Motorcycle Company? Absolutely, that was my first bike. Was it? An Ultra Jackhammer. Okay, so it had uh, this guy's got a soft tail based um, Ultra. I don't know what the what the model is, but it's got a 107 in it, S and S. And uh, he sucked a valve or dropped a valve rather on a dyno shootout. He was telling me how this thing made all this horsepower and it went all these one was winning all these dyno shootouts, and I. You know, <laughs> it was one step shy of the story of um, your uncle tells you when you're a kid that I had $100. I put it on the dashboard. When I launched a car, I told him if he can grab that $100, he could keep it. You know what I mean? One of them kind of fucking stories. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, fuck out of here. Um, anyway, uh, this guy's telling me about how he won all these dyno shootouts and stuff. I take this motor apart. It needs a crank pin. It needs a pinion shaft. It needs the rod bearings replaced. The, the rods had to be line lapped. It needed pistons, jugs, and the heads. I took the heads off, and these, when it dropped the valve on the dyno during the shootout, uh, it fucking rattled around in there and fucked the head up. So I send my heads to the dude named John Sachs. And we are going to have John Sachs on this podcast one way or another. I'll probably drive over to his house to do it because he's 75 years old. This dude's forgotten more than, uh, than I have ever had the opportunity to learn. And when I took these heads apart to clean them, cause I had them hot tanked. I, the guides didn't feel right. There was 250,000 worth of shims under the exhaust spring. And that's, that's a no, no, you never want to exceed like 60 or 70,000. And then there was oil in between the guide and the head. So that means the bore that the guide was in was not good. And when he repaired the chamber, there was almost no room for um, the gasket. So I, I don't think the head gaskets would have ever lived if I put this any compression into this thing or a different cam. Um, so he called me and said, these heads are junk. I can't do anything with them. So I've got this 107. It needs pistons. It needs heads now. And uh, the dude, ended up, it's going to be five grand. And the dude was kind of a little put off by me calling him and telling him. And I'm like, hey, look, man. Dino shootouts are bunk. They don't mean anything, and they're terrible on your terrible on your bike. Tears up your tire, tears up your drive line, tears up your wheel bearings, tears up your overheat your motor, cause you to drop a valve. He's like, I rode it way harder on the street than I ever did on a dyno. I'm like, well, you can. It's totally different, and uh, you need to bump that dude for another two grand and sell him an R and R one twenty seven. No, this is not the guy for that. So, plus, I've already got a bunch of money invested in the lower end. So, I ended up buying him a top end kit with new heads and compression releases. And he said he's put two thousand dollars worth of starters in that thing. I said, "Well, you got compression releases now." So, but yeah, fuck your friends, right? And I'm trying to help them. <laughs> I thought <laughs> I want that thing to stay in your living room. Well, I'm fucking. Somebody's already grown two arms, so I'm guessing legs or necks. Yeah. You're like a, um, you're like halfway in between uh, American pickers and uh, hoarders, but you have like because you have like cool shit. You don't you don't see you don't like poop in a bag and save your bags of poop, but 
you save all your fucking motorcycle parts. <laughs> well, and I have this, I have this master plan of, yeah, I'm going to save all these parts and then I'm going to sell them. And then when I buy them, I feel like they're worth gold. And then when I get ready to sell them, I feel like they're worth fucking rocks. So <laughs> the my pet plan rock. has not worked out. I mean, my, my business plan of buy high, sell cheap has worked. <laughs> you, I think <laughs> you need to listen to Danny Dixon's podcast. He'll talk, he'll talk to you about that. Yeah. Maybe I need to. So I'd, I'd like to have him on though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, He's somebody that I'd like to have on. And I, I had reached out to him once before about that. But um, anybody that doesn't know, if you're in Texas or if you follow Cody on Instagram, if you need a part, you should reach out to this dude because he probably has one, even if he doesn't know that he does. He's got refrigerators full of full of parts in his shop. <laughs> refrigerators that don't work, but they make good shelves. The tr- the, and you can lock them. The true statement <laughs> the true statement is that he may have the part and not know it. Yeah. Because he has a bunch of shit that he doesn't know what it is. So, and if you're a knucklehead guy, panhead guy, he doesn't have anything. Guy, I don't have anything for you. I don't, I'm, I'm not, that's not my forte. And I, I don't have any of that shit. I got some shovelhead shit, but I'm keeping it. So, but if you're uh, looking for a pill, a billet polished R&R 127, Dude's got one sitting around. <laughs> He's got a couple belt drives sitting around. I mean, it is literally, it is like a catacomb of 2005. Like if, if, I don't even know how I feel about you saying if that. If there was a volcano yeah. in Abilene and it melted like the world, like kind of what happened in Pompeii, and you know how they have the masturbating man in Pompeii when they dug him out, there's a dude sitting there that's like masturbating. They would find your your store on Treadaway the and they would be like... I'm talking about if, if there was a volcanic eruption, right? Like what happened in Pompeii, and it melted the whole town how of did Abilene. How masturbating get thrown in there? Because that's a thing that happened in Pompeii. Google it. Google masturbating man Pompeii. And in that volcanic ash, they found a petrified person that was masturbating. Well, he probably saw things coming. He probably, he's like, fuck it, I'm he's probably in your bike shop. Yeah, oh, I get it. But what I'm saying oh, is, man, if that. that happened, they wouldn't find somebody masturbating. They would find your motorcycle shop, and they would it would be like a catacomb. They, they would have thought that the volcano happened Block in 2006. <laughs> <laughs> they would have like, no, they, it, all signs uh, point to the volcano being in 2018. They're like, there's no way possible. Nobody has this much evolution in, in billet belt drive parts and choppers from 2006 <laughs> now you're just being a fucking hater now i've got an i've got an, eight, I've got an 84 fxrt and a 90 some odd model buell lightning and with no title some other oh, no, you found shit. The title. no i got the title to it oh, that's right i forgot and i've got a bunch of cast aluminum parts it's all all billet full <laughs> uh another person i think we ought to we ought to get on the podcast is uh is Jace from Fast Life? I mean, uh, just to just to give some credit where credits due, I, you know, I never was a big podcast guy. I didn't know a lot about podcasts, and uh, started listening to Jace's podcast. And you and I had talked about it for years, and I know you had done it, and it just piqued my interest. And uh, been listening to his stuff, and man, he's, he's doing a good job. And I'm just listening to his recent podcast, and. You know, I've got to give the guy a shout out for putting putting everything out there like he did, man. It took uh, took some brass just to to lay it all out on the line and and kind of put your your ups and downs in life out there for everybody to. 
It makes it tough for somebody to call you out on your bullshit when you've already done it. You know what I mean? I'm not saying, I don't know him well enough to know he's full of shit, but I'm saying everybody's got a little bullshit, you know? So it's, it definitely, um, is, it's not easy to do what he did or, you know, if it was easy, it's still, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty ballsy for him to do that. Right. So switching gears a little bit, uh, what do you think about John Shope's new show? I just possibly coming out. I just saw something today. Um, Sean, uh, Big Sean posted something about it, and then yeah, I saw. I saw, that's where I saw that. I so I didn't watch the video. I didn't get a chance to. I was trying to trying to figure out how we were going to do the audio with uh, uh, having a, a guest on, and um, it looks like I think I think it was his sizzle reel that uh, that that he published. Which their sizzle reel is if you want to have. If you want to do a show, basically you produce a promo for it and kind of so that someone can see exactly what what you intend what you intend to sell, you know, what type of programming. So, but you know what's funny to me in today's day and age, okay? I'm going to talk like if everything that <clears throat> that I know about it, if you start a YouTube channel and had your own show on there, you get you get more money and you don't have to take producers notes. You don't have to worry about directors. You don't have to worry about sponsors. Cause it's kind of, I don't know. It just seems like you'd be in more control and that that would be a good place to start it and get picked up by something a little bit bigger instead of going, I don't know. You know what I think though? I think it's harder to watch a YouTube channel than it is to click on discovery and DVR. Does that make sense? I mean like, no, because I have Apple TV. So I literally, if I want to watch something, I go find what I want to watch on YouTube and I just throw it up on the Apple TV. And in the theater room, we have, um, we've got a, a, the Google, um, the Google home that records everything I say and (laughs) reports it back to the government. (laughs) I think it's just easier though. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's just the, maybe there's just the, I don't know the affirmation of being on TV that people are interested in. And I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to monitor, monitor, monetize. No, just right monetize. Mo- monetize. I don't know how to monetize money from YouTube or from a podcast or from, I don't know how to do any of that shit. I mean, if, if I posted something on YouTube, I would probably get nothing but hate mail. I mean, about how awful it was, but, uh, I don't I mean I don't know how that works. I think I think any I mean for the most part it doesn't opinion, matter how much hate mail you get. I don't know why you say that shit all the time. It drives me crazy. But um, you're a self hater. But it doesn't matter. Like yeah, the, the, the girl that there's a girl on there that has like 15 million followers that watch her thread her eyebrows. I mean, she makes yeah, money no, off of that. I, that's, that's what I was saying though. It's like 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 OCC, Dirty Bird, whatever show on on TV. Even even though OCC is not something that everybody loves or everybody hates, it's still part of the industry, which still creates an interest in the industry, which is good. I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm like I, you you told me about watching some of their new episodes and feeling like that it had changed a little bit and come a little a little closer to to reality maybe. And it's whether whether I think it's the best one on TV or not, it still piques my interest in different aspects of what's going on. Just like the, if John Shope gets his show that he's trying to do, 
I mean, I look forward to seeing, you know, that's the stuff that I'm interested in. I mean, I mean, for a while I watched every episode of overhauling my, my favorite bitch and rides. I mean, as far as uh, vehicles being built, uh, is bitch and rides. And then they have a new speed speed is the new black. The reason I watch so many of those car shows is because there's not any motorcycle shows per se on. So uh, a gearhead has to get his fix somehow. So if you can't watch a motorcycle show, you flip, you know, and maybe the car stuff is more, Oh, maybe it's more acceptable in society. Maybe, uh, maybe well, the there's definitely more cars, right? More, yeah. But, but I, and then the motorcycle stuff, I mean, not so much for you and I, but for a lot of people, I mean, it's, it, there's an, I don't, maybe not, I'm going to say an outlaw stigma, but like, a. You know, you, I mean, you get what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah, the old the old joke, like uh, the difference between a Harley and a Hoover is where you put the dirt bag. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and I, there's that stigma still alive. I mean, I'm, you know, um, I know my neighbor's probably like, oh, fuck, you're another, another guy's rolling up on a Harley around here, you know. Well, you, hide your kids, hide your wife, you know. I mean. It's hard to, it's hard to, um, it's hard to exp- I, I, especially when you do it for a living. So, you know, one of the things that, man, I, I don't know if I want to, I don't want to get critical of Jace Hudson uh, at the Fast Life um, because I I think he's doing a fantastic job. But I almost think that he's kind of pulling the curtain back enough to where he's exposing the fact that this is, look, man, I love motorcycles so much that I don't get a chance to ride them. That's my thing, you know. Because I've, dude, for 15 years, it's been nothing but get up in the morning, go to my motorcycle shop, work on motorcycles all day. Everybody that comes in, they don't come in to talk about things that aren't motorcycle related because it's a motorcycle shop, right? So I can kind of OD on it. I can have too much to where when I come home, I sometimes don't want to ride. I rode my motorcycle today for the first time. Just to ride up to get a gas because I hadn't ridden ridden it in over two weeks. Part of that was because of the rain, but, well, but, but I'm busy. But that's what I was saying earlier. I think there's more to, I think there's more to motorcycling. As stupid as it sounds, there's more to motorcycling, other than just getting on your motorcycle and riding. Does that make sense? I mean, oh, absolutely. I, I mean, and I think that's. I, I, I mean, I think the, there's way more to it than ju- than just getting on your. And, and and there are the guys. I mean, I know guys that they get on their, their motorcycle and they ride 50, 60, 70,000 miles a year. And that's all they, they don't give a fuck about anything, throwing their leg over it and going. That's what they love. Right. That's not the part about it that I love. I don't want to freeze my nuts off. I don't want to burn the fucking hair off my legs when it's 112 degrees outside. No, I agree with that. I mean, I'm, I'm a fair, I'm a fair weather rider. You know, I'm a fair weather rider yeah. that wants to ride and when I'm comfortable and I want to be on something that looks cool. I mean, I don't give a fuck what anybody says. I don't want to be, I had a bone stock 15 road glide that I rode a little bit, but I didn't ride it very much for one because I didn't think it looked cool. It was a stock fucking bike and I don't know. I just didn't feel like I looked cool. I mean, good, bad, right or wrong. That's how I felt about it. And if you're listening and don't like it, fuck off. Well, <laughs> th- that's funny because you bought that road glide and had it for you had it for a year, and then you traded it in and bought that other bike, and I kind of did the same thing. I, I just, I it's like driving a dually 
through the bank teller line. It was just it was cumbersome, and and it had music oh. on it. It was the only thing it had. I mean, I'll wear a backpack. Oh, and, well, you know what? I mean, I really want to do a. I, I'm in a, in a kind of in a phase right now that I've done an FXR that was pretty nice. I've done a Dyna that I feel like is pretty nice. I've built a couple of pretty cool choppers, and I'm kind of in a. I mean, I, I've got an FXR project I want to start, but I've also I I have the desire to do a big wheel bagger with a crazy stereo. I know it's been done. I mean, I know they're all over the place, but. I, I don't know. I haven't done that. I mean, I, I just I just finished a 26 inch bike with a pretty cool stereo on it, but it wasn't it, it wasn't my it was a customer's idea, and it turned out I mean it turned out it's a nice bike. It just I kind of kind of have a desire to do a big wheel bag with the crazy stereo. I don't right. know why I can't afford to, but I kind of want to do that. But I also want to do an FXR chopper, and also have I'm jonesing to do a fucking new Harley and M8, but I can't afford to do it right now. I mean, I, I really want to do a Fat Bob and but I can't afford to. You sound like a hoarder. I mean, <laughs> you know? A, a whore? A hoarder. <laughs> well, I mean, I, whatever. A whore, whatever. You want one of everyone. I mean. We all do. Well, I mean, who doesn't? I mean, who doesn't? You know, being in this industry, when you're surrounded by, you know, <laughs> the majority of anything I follow on social media is going to be new product and what's coming out and who's doing what. And I mean, like, like the video I shared the video with you of that the horsepower ink bike, the one fifty one leading edge bike, those new M eights sound I mean, a lot of people say they don't like the way they sound, but fuck me, man. I, I think it sounds pretty uh, good. It sounds pretty uh, hearty. Can you imagine well, on one fifty one on a I'm I you watch fucking bed. I'm not show up somewhere on a 151 jeff said i wrote it down jeff said that freaking thing made 200 horsepower and 230 pound feet <laughs> do, you, do you have any con i mean can you put that into context in the car you know what i mean no 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 <clears throat> hold the fuck on is what the context i put it in yeah that's that's a lot of i mean that's a lot of a lot of power that's not that's not a joke that's like legit fast yeah he's gonna have he's gonna have an fxr too an fxr guarantee he's gonna have he's already got i think there's a brock's aluminum swing arm on it or yeah i think it's brock's got aluminum swing arm guarantee it's gonna have odc kraus or some crazy inverted lightweight front end probably gonna have fucking the lightest wheels and brake calipers and brakes in the industry that bike can have the best of the best on it and make 230 foot pounds of torque I mean, but you have to have a parachute or wheelie bars. I mean, so I can't wait to see it. I'd like to I see what yours can, makes so. for power. The orange what bike. mine does? The orange bike, yeah. Uh, yeah, I need to change the cams on it. Fucking loud bastards. But, <laughs> what cams uh, are it? The Woods cams. Woods, yeah, you need to put those, uh, what are those, 625 um, SNS? 640s. 640s, okay. Yeah, that's what R and R recommended. I'm, and I'll probably do that. Um fixing to fixing to reshoot the sheet metal on it and uh I'd like to have it ready for the Tennessee motorcycle revival. Shit. Like that. You're that'll Shit, never man. fucking happen, dude. That white bike's going oh, up there. Oh yeah. Dude. <laughs> well, that, it probably is too. that probably is too. I may bring a friend. Oh so. man. I'm thinking about riding up there. You know you're not. No, I'm I am my wheels to it. Yeah. Well, oh, you want me to ride up there in my truck? Track. This motherfucker. 
when you come to Florida, I swear, bro, I'm coming to see you in Florida. I swear. I'll give you a lathe if you come to. here. Oh, man. I know. You I want you steal to. A lathe. You got to steal the lathe from your from your old shop. No, it, no, I don't. I talked to him the other day. It's, I just got to uh, go over and get it. I got no, I got a forklift on one Florida. end. I know you do. And I next, really do. I mean, I, I'm... The next time your family comes I mean, here, you guys got to come stay at the house, <clears throat> at least for one day. Let oh. the kids go swimming. I mean, I'm and and, and the thing is, is okay, I'm going to do this vacation with my kids to Maine, and you know, hopefully, I have some extra days available. And, you know, who knows? I mean, I, I I would like to, I'd love to be in Florida now with all the rain y'all are getting. Man, I, I, fuck, we we're not getting any rain here. I mean, when it rains here, I'm. It's it's so relaxing to hear the rain. We're so used to the blistering heat and every right. day I hear you bitching about getting rain. So. <laughs> Dude, it was gnarly but yesterday. I saw that yesterday, man. I saw that. That's crazy. I was in the back yeah. working and I hear the doorbell going off. Like every time the door opens, it dings, you know, I'm looking I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. I look up at the security camera. I'm like, that door is going, it was pulling out and slamming it shut, pulling out and slamming it shut. I'm like, it's going to break the glass. <laughs> oh, wow. So. Wow. And then the and then it flooded the shop flooded that was fun wasn't fun at all so I was gonna bring something up and forgot what the fuck it was no Tennessee motorcycle uh, revival you're gonna take your orange bike will be all done again no I would like for it to be I mean I, I'm I'm hoping the the white bike's done maybe you get shoot the tens I wanted Brad to shoot them but time wise I don't know how busy he is right now. Are you going to totally read You're taking that sheet metal off and putting all, all new sheet metal on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm keeping the sheet metal that was on it just because my, my brother was involved in the assembly of that bike as long, you know, as long as well as you, as well as a couple other friends of mine. And, uh, I think there's, there's, I don't think, I know there's some, some really sentimental value in that, that sheet metal. So you need to hang it on the uh, wall like they do, uh, at 415 clothing. He's, and Rudy, I'm going to. I'm, I am. I'm going to put it up there. And, Rudy's um, got all of his know, and I, and sheet I, metal up there. I, I don't want. I don't want to go back with any kind of a panel paint job. I, I want to keep the frame, candy flake, and the swing arm flake. And I think I. I really. Th- I'm thinking about going flames. I mean, I love flame uh, jobs, dude. I'm, I'm, Especially on I'm, FXR. I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about going because I'm going to go back to a stock tank uh, because it gives me an option to run. There's more seat options. It's, I mean, I know that people are like seat options. Well, you fuck, you need seat options. With the tank that I have on it, the only options I have really are make a custom pan. And uh, there's, I mean, between Saddleman, Lucky Dave's, uh, BMC. Uh, there's. Oh, you want one of those seat seats with the there. with the high back? Uh, I, I do like those. Whatever you know, they call them. Uh, there's a couple of different names, wall back or whatever, but. I just want some more options for like, I mean, my, my FXR is a solo seat. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I like to be able to just rip my kids around the neighborhood or my wife or whatever. I just, I just, I want, a, I want the option right, right now. I'm kind of stuck. And, and I like the stretch tank when I first did it a lot, but there's, there's an aesthetic part of it that was cool for a little while. And the tank, the, the tank is 4.2 gallons that holds 2.2 gallons. If that makes any sense, why the fuck it does that, I don't know, but it it's it does not hold four point two gallons of gas. Your bike doesn't. So, no, absolutely not. I know why. You, you can't. Why? 
Because I think... Because it leaks. <laughs> no, because the crossover. I don't think the crossover's working. No, no, that's all, that's all been cleaned out. That's mm. all been cleaned out. You can literally, you literally cannot go to the pump and put more... You cannot put three gallons of fuel in that tank. Well, I guess you know, it's just a three-gallon tank. They, <laughs> well, they, well, they advertise it as a 4.2-gallon tank, and it holds... I think the most fuel I've ever put in it was 2.7. That's a old custom chrome tank, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and it and it and that little little one twenty four loves to drink fuel. So, do you uh, remember when custom chrome had an FXR kit bike? I do, I do briefly. There's one for sale briefly. on uh, on eBay. The chassis, oh, yeah? yep. So it's a frame, the um, sheet metal. That kit bike had a is it a Peroni? Front end? No. Some sort of an inverted Serrani? front end. Cheriani? Isn't that uh, how they call those? Cheriani? Ser- yeah, something like that. That was the, um, that's, that's before my time. I've, I've worked on a couple of them. Titan Motorcycle Company sold a, one of their models had an, an inverted front end that was a carbon copy of that, an offshore copy of that. And they, they used I to think Ron Sims used to use a lot of the Serrani inverted front ends. Jay Hodge had one on a Dyna when he lived yeah. in Honolulu. His last Dyna. How's old Jay doing? He's doing good. Did you see he posted on Instagram the other day some fucking drug deal went bad in front of his house. He lives in the fucking hood. <laughs> Does he? Yeah, I went well, down I mean, there. I went over there one night and... Uh, and hung out and we watched hockey. Uh, I think it was last year. It's been a while. But um, yeah, he's fucking, he is in the fucking hood. And that dude is strapped. And this, this drug deal went bad in front of his house. And the drug dealer started beating the shit out of the crackhead or something. And the dog went banana sandwich. And then Jay, you can see Jay on his, uh, on his video. If you go to um, Fame Killer Unlimited on instagram and follow jay hodge if you don't know who jay hodge is go fuck yourself if you're listening to this podcast and you know who i am and you know who cody is and you don't know jay hodge google him um but you see jay come out and put a put the red dot right on the dude (laughs) he drew on him and the dude's like all right i'm fucking leaving (laughs) so yeah man jay hodge is a fucking legend jay hodge is a straight up legend he lives in Tampa, which is weird because he grew up in, I want to say he grew up in North Carolina, and then ended up in uh, Hawaii because his, uh, I don't know what the situation was. I know he was in the Navy for a while, but in his wife's Air Force, I believe, and he ended up in Hawaii and ended up being a surfboard shaper and one of the greatest surfboard shapers of all time. In fact, Chopper Dave um, Freston from Hawaiian Gardens posted the other day on Instagram he was out at the beach uh, with one of his Jay Hodge surfboards. So like Jay Hodge built the surfboards for the Baywatch TV show, the one that sold for a million fucking dollars. Jay Hodge built that board. Really? Yeah, dude. And he didn't get he check it out. So here's here's in a nutshell cuz we're going to have him on here and the dude is the dude is fly. He knows his shit. So <clears throat> he was living in Hawaii, and 
he was shaping boards and uh, basically, I think it was for local motion. And they came in and they wanted to buy his name, his intellectual property and the rights to his, his like he's, each each board maker, you know, he's a foam shaper. So basically what they do is they take foam, they shape it into a board, and then they take it to a glasser and he glasses it. And then they take it to an airbrush artist and he paints it. You know what I mean? And then they make it for a certain rider or a certain riding style. So just the way you make it, if it if it lines up with the right human being, then they end up riding your board. And uh, they wanted to buy him out, and he told me, where are you making the boards at? And they said, Chinese, like, fucking deuces, I'm out. And took his bat and his ball and went home, dude. And doesn't doesn't do it anymore. Really? Yeah. Tons, I get tons of respect for the dude, honestly. Honestly. He helped me out. He painted the uh, the Last Dance Triumph that I just did. He painted that, and the paint was fucking perfect. And he was fixing. <laughs> he he started welding on my gas tank. I guess he found a um, something he didn't like on it. And I didn't build the gas tank. All I did was put a couple mounts on it. I was a, it was a lowbrow. And uh, I can tell you that because it really doesn't matter. I'm not saying anything bad to lowbrow. Uh, shout out to lowbrow. But. Um, Jay Hodge was welding on it. It was really thin. He ended up welding a whole new top on the tank and sending lowbrow pictures and some hate mail and stuff and said that they needed to give me my money back. And he's a he he's an interesting cat. But he painted that bike and uh, he's a good. He plays guitar. He's got surf surfboards all over his house. He's got a rad house. His house is in Tampa and it's like a post mid century house. So the 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 decor was very, um, or the architecture rather is very Florida, very Florida, 1960s, late fifties. It's pretty cool. Cool. (laughs) Cool. So I can edit all that silence out. You still with me? Yeah. I'm listening, bro. All right. I'm just taking in the story about Jay. I, th- I think it's uh, it's cool. Dude, he has told me some stories that I can't repeat. I mean, he if he wants to tell you, fine. But dude, he has told me some stories about working at West Coast Choppers, hanging out with uh, Billy Lane way back when. He's uh he's he's been around the block. And actually, there's a dude in NorCal that owns a chrome. Uh, it's a black frame. With chrome tins, CFL. I want to say it's a two-up with a 113 SNS in it, and that's Jay's bike that Billy Lane bought off Jay, because Jay moved from the mainland of Hawaii. He was going to move to Florida to work for Trotta, and he had come over to Jesse's several times in California. And when he landed. In California, he was on his way to Eddie Trotta's, and, and Jesse was like, you know, what are you doing? He's like, I'm going to work at Eddie's. And he's like, no, you're going to work here. And so he worked there, and he lived with Rick Carfixer for a while, and he did a lot of cool shit. He's a cool dude, man. He's a cool He's lived a full life. Yeah. So I think it'd be great to have him on. Yeah, he's a fun guy. Oh. He'll come over. Every time he comes over, he's got he's got more than one handgun on him. And he usually brings his dog everywhere. His dogs are his boys. What, uh, is he still riding your Dyna? Or the, he bought your Dyna, right? He bought my Dyna, and he told me, he told me the other, the other day when I was talking to him that he fucking knocked it over. 
So it, he kind of oh, fucked really? it up. Yeah, he fucked it up a little bit, and uh, he's gonna he's he's trying to do some. He wants to put a carburetor on. It. He wants to take the fuel injection off. I'm like, dude, just it's 2018. It's cool. Just chill out, <laughs> fucking. <laughs> you know, he's like this goddamn thing, <laughs> fuel pump and EFI, and I'm like, dude, it's relax, man. That bike. I'm telling you what, man. Um, that bike is a freak. It that bike is as a, is a it, it's fast for what it is. It handles well, and it's nothing special. It's just a super glide. But for whatever reason, man, that was one of the good ones. I sold it too cheap. If I would have sold it to anybody else, skirt, I would. Yeah, <laughs> chirping that tire. <laughs> I was cracking my shit up. That bike said that bike. I know, right? Well, I think you were just laughing because I was laughing. I want to go to Sturgis. I'm I'm actually kind of pissed that I'm not going. I'm going next year, dude. I'm not missing Sturgis next year. No, we're not. We're going. I don't care if I camp. We should camp sometime. That'd be fun. Intense with no showers for a week. (laughs) Right. Like Shark Tank. For that reason, I'm out. (laughs) Jace talks about camping all the time, and I'm like, man. At 35, I could have camped. I ain't camping at 45. Not at all. Not at all. My yeah, idea, of, yeah, my idea of camping is not other people's idea of camping. I see people sleeping under a tree with their chopper and just with, like, rolled up on the ground with a like a bedroll, and I'm like, no, not good. I like to roll up in the sheets <laughs> under an air conditioner. <laughs> in the morning, eat a hot breakfast. Yep, continental breakfast. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking spoiled. That's the way I am too. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Well, dude, we've uh, we've been running about an hour and forty six. So is that what you got? So you timed it too? You recorded it too? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh good. I got wife and kids staring through the glass like you feel like I'm in a museum like. You're all looking at me like, what's he doing there? What's he talking about? He's, you know, last the last podcast we did, the first one that I ever did, my my 11 year old daughter snuck in and like <laughs> hid behind the plant. And then the next day, my wife's like, hey, uh, Cannon told me you were bad mouthing Harley Davidson and cussing a whole lot. <laughs> I'm like, hey, sweet. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, I thought I told you not to be in the room when I was doing that. She's like, I, I just wanted to hear what you were saying. You, you love Harley Davidson, but you were talking so bad about him. And then, you said the F word a bunch of times, and I'm just not used to hearing you say that. You know, I'm like, well, thanks for diving me out. Yeah, right. You know, hey, thanks for talking so, to me about it before you talk to your mom. Yeah. <laughs> now, now I feel like I'm in the zoo because your daughter's a stool like, pigeon, dude. Oh, they're they're just they're peer, they're they're peeled up against the glass. Like, wonder what he's talking about. Wonder if he's using cuss words. Yes. And yes. Exactly. So, well, cool, man. Well, do me a favor and uh, do me a favor and. Uh, when you save that, or when you finish recording that, save it. And then if you can, uh, we can do this tomorrow too. I can show you how to save it as an MP3. But if you can email me that, then I can use that too to make sure that if, if I had any bad audio. Well, no, I'm, not re- I'm not recording it. I'm, I'm just watching the time. Oh, I thought my, you recorded it. Phone. Okay. But dude, I've had, to come, I had that fucking MacBook for one day, bro. I haven't figured out how to do shit on it. <laughs> I can turn it on. But other than that, that's all I can do. I don't know how to do shit else, so... I want to do a couple more yeah. podcasts like this with just two of us. Try to do a video yeah, thing. Sure. Um, we'll get Angela on her and see what it's like to be a biker's wife. 
Yeah. I want to talk about bad company <laughs> customs. I want to, I, I really, I don't want to steal Jace's model. Um, I want to do it differently, but I, I do want to talk about, I, I do think there's some value in that. Yeah. I'd love, love to go back to the beginning and how it got started. I mean, I think it'd be fun. So. Right on. Cool deal. All right, man. Well, I'll see you All tomorrow. Right, Better roll. Well, there you have it, folks. Episode 12 is in the books and edited. So I wanted to take a minute just to kind of discuss um, where we're going with this thing and where we've been and give you a brief little overview so that we're not just putting content out there with no um, with no rhyme or reason. So um, basically, I had a podcast in 2010 called The Bottom Feed. And it was really just me and another friend just kind of bullshitting and talking about current events and stuff. It was just a way for us to kind of blow off some steam. And it, it was cool. Uh, we did a couple episodes. We did it on Ustream. I don't know if it still exists out there, but if, if anybody's interested, it's called The Bottom Feed. It's really, it, it's probably not worth watching or listening to. But um, Cody and I have been talking for a very long time about getting this thing fired back up. You know, one of the things that's unique about our friendship is is that we're super close. Um, we hang out only a few times a year because of the proximity of our locations. He's based in Abilene, Texas, and works a ton in the oil fields. And uh, he's got a bike shop, and then he's got a shop at his house that he has too. So his commercial location isn't really open to the public. It's by uh, invitation only. Where me, on the other hand, I'm outside of Tampa, um, about 45 minutes from Disney World. I'm in a, I live in Lakeland, Florida, and I've been here since 2010. Um, I own a company called Cycle Stop USA, and it, to put it into the simplest terms, it started out as um, uh, a franchise idea that I conceived with um, while I was in the motorcycle business up in, in Michigan. I uh, decided that Michigan didn't hold... Um, didn't hold a future a place in my future i felt like going somewhere where there's a 12-month riding season was going to be much more conducive to the business model that i was developing and uh in long story short um i came down to florida with uh, a pile of money and some grandiose plans and you know life happens when when you uh when you least expect it things changed i ended up uh doing a couple other things but I always had my shop always kept my shop open full-time um, I've had a couple different partnerships and you know what maybe on one of these uh, podcasts I'll sit down and, and go through that <clears throat> but at any rate um, thanks to everybody who's listening now and who will listen in the future uh, today is um, July 23rd 2018 and I'm gonna gonna let this this one out of the bag and and put this one up on on our on our server and i appreciate everybody who listened to episode 11 if you go back and listen to the other episodes here's the deal um when i did the, I, I took a break from doing this for five years uh in five years ago in 2013 i was a super busy man uh, much busier than what i am today i had two kids that were in uh, one was in junior high one was in high school uh, both of my kids are grown now and one's out of college and one's in college um I was teaching high school full-time and running my motorcycle shop full-time. So I was burning the candle at both ends and something had to go. And social media not being what it is today, there was no Instagram in 2013, or at least I didn't know about it. 
and there wasn't really a way to connect with people. Everybody was using Facebook, and I did the podcast, and it paid for it out of my own pocket, which I still do, and I'm happy to do that. But um, I really wasn't getting any kind of... uh, The only satisfaction I was getting out of it was just kind of stroking my own ego, and it was really, really tough, really tough back then to book um, guests that were... You know, dynamic and provocative, and 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 I'm I like both of those things. Um, I don't like to talk shit, but I like people to be honest. So if somebody's you know being honest with me, I can tell. If somebody's being, um, you know, uh, what's the right word? Gregarious is kind of a lame word, but um, if they're you know if they're outgoing and outspoken and they're willing to speak up and they're willing to, to call it like they see it. Um, not necessarily to, to talk shit about somebody, but just in general to say, hey, this is what happened. This is what's going on. This is, you know, this is the truth of the matter. Then then I like that. Uh, I'm that way. It's got me in, in a lot of trouble, but I think it's the only way to be. You know what I mean? I think it was Abraham Lincoln that said no man has a good enough memory to be a successful liar. So um, that's just kind of how I, how I conduct myself. So sometimes my ass is overloaded my mouth and got me in a little bit of hot water but the truth is the truth and so that's kind of what I'm searching for so going forward I want to have provocative guests I want to have guests that are actually doing something Uh, they're actually saying something they're actually engaging you know and that's why I wanted to have Jeff Holt on you know I met Jeff two years ago Uh, I consider him a friend if you're not friends with Jeff that's cool I get it but I am um I met Jeff at uh, the FXR show in 2017, no, excuse me, 2016, and uh, we ended up hitting it off, and we hung out quite a bit that week, and uh, as, as many people do when you go to Sturgis or you go to Bike Week or you go to one of these smaller rallies around the country, uh, which I need to get my ass to uh, that I haven't, you know, places like Bikes, Blues, and Barbecue, I've never been to Laconia, New Hampshire, um, there's a... An, uh, an event that's being put on by two friends of mine, uh, Carrie Rep and Buck Shaw, that is the Tennessee uh, Motorcycles and Music Revival. And that went off last year. Another good friend of mine, um, I've been friends with him for well over a decade now, Bill Dodge. I, I'm sure everybody on here, if you don't know who Bill Dodge is, you need to you need to know who Bill Dodge is. He was the shop foreman for many years at West Coast Choppers and uh, peeled out and did his own thing. Um, 12 or 13 years ago and it's blings cycles and uh he built some really killer bikes he's based out of daytona beach florida now and uh, uh he's he was he's involved with that tennessee motorcycles and music revival so um as far as future guests if you want to be on here send me a dm um if you're in the motorcycle business even if you're not in the business on a full-time basis if you're if you're in in the uh in in the in the know or kind of in the mix of things there's a lot of really talented people that uh, put a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of effort uh into promoting themselves promoting their friends promoting people that they think are solid people in this business and and i want to hear from them and i want to hear from you so but getting back to jeff g holt um you know, it took a lot of balls to not just repeat what he had done previously. Um, he was at the helm of uh, Street Chopper and Hot Bike for the better part of a decade, if not longer. And, um, you know, you can, if you've had any direct interaction with him, 
if you've had any face-to-face interaction with him, then you know he's, he's a nice guy. He's a solid dude. He, he's, he's not an asshole at all. Um, if you have had dealings with him on the magazine side of things, I, I don't think I even understand. Even being on the staff of the Horse Magazine for as many years as I was, I wasn't in the internal workings. I was just a contributor and an associate editor. So I don't know how the motorcycle or the, the uh, magazine business works. So, you know, until you've walked a mile in someone's shoes, don't try to judge them by, by what happens, you know, on a grand scale, on, you know, little microaggressions that people have towards, you know, their bike not getting in the magazine or I don't think that, you know, that's 100%, I believe, driven by budget. And Jeff kind of alluded to it. And at some point in time, I'd like to have another in-depth conversation with Jeff. Uh, We caught him kind of kind of off guard. He's trying to promote the V-Twin Visionary. He's trying to get ready for Sturgis. He's trying to do a lot of things. His girl, uh, Maggie, is kind of the I think she's, I know she's with First Manufacturing, who manufactures our vests. Uh, they manufacture some clothing for Born Free, but I believe she's the only West Coast rep. So between the two of them, they keep a pretty active schedule, and they're both promoting the motorcycle business 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. So my hat's off to to Jeff G. Holt and uh, his gal, Maggie. So um, I'll wrap this up, but before I do, I do want to give out, uh, I know we give out some shout outs kind of tongue in cheek, but uh, I really do want to express my um, my gratitude to Jace Hudson um, from the Fast Life Garage. <clears throat> Honestly, not being a ball licker here, I'm, I'm calling it right as it is. I have needed to do this for quite some time. And by do this meaning relaunch my podcast. And if you're still listening to the, to the end credits, um, Jace, I really appreciate the fact that you're putting in so much hard work on your podcast. It's it's really dynamic. It sounds good. I mean, you're putting in a shit ton of money, shit ton of work. You're driving across the country as much as you can to do that. I'm envious. Um, but uh, you have you were the, the 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 straw that broke the camel's back and got me off my ass <clears throat> and got me recording these podcasts again. You know, and for a guy like me who actually went to school for this. 26, 27 years ago, and, and, you know, I'm formally educated in broadcasting, you're doing a good job, and uh, your your content is substantive, and uh, you have, have, have you've been the, the, the impetus for me actually getting off my ass and doing this again. I've had this equipment sitting here idle for five years. Everybody that knows me has know, has, knows that I have threatened to do this. Um, and, and relaunch this stuff and for whatever reason I've been too lazy to do it or unmotivated or I feel like nobody wants to listen to it and that's kind of where I was why I parked it five years ago but I'm glad that I'm back doing it and I'm also glad uh, I want to give out another shout out to uh, you know or big big thanks to to Cody Childress um, that dude has been somebody that has uh, I don't know what the right way where to put it is, is is you know evened out the ebbs and flows you know, even though he's 1,200 miles away from here or whatever in Abilene, and I'm here in Florida, um, our friendship over the last five or six years has been has been really meaningful. And, uh, you know, we've done a lot of stuff together. You know, <clears throat> we built a couple bikes together. You know, I fly in and, and help him out and tie up some loose ends and, and get the last little bit done on both of that bike and we did a bagger this year and I didn't get to work on the on the white Dyna but I did supply a lot of the stuff for it I supplied the motor the forks um, a lot of the small parts so 
that dude knows uh, where he rates with me, and uh, and I appreciate everything he does. And he's opened up his house, uh, and his you know his family's taken me on when I've been in in Abilene, and I appreciate that. So, without further ado, I'm going to wrap this thing up. But I just want to tell everybody thank you, please, and if you can share this or leave a review on iTunes or however you get this, if you can kind of tell your friends and that you know we're we're working on having more guests. Um, I've got a, uh, I've got a, a short list of people that want to be on here that have already committed that, that I think everybody on here will really dig. One person I know I'm going to have is Jay Hodge. I mentioned it in this podcast. If you don't know who Jay Hodge is, Google him, look him up. He's a badass. <clears throat> he's worked for Billy. He's worked for Jesse, um, back in the, in what I consider the, the gold rush era. This guy is, he's the real deal. He is a, what you see is what you get. He's a great guy. He's helped me out a ton. So I guess he's worked for me too, um, doing some stuff. He helped me with the last dance triumph. So he's a solid, solid dude. Uh, Dave Freston's going to be on at some point in time. Um, I'm going to reach out to John evil from purpose built motorcycles. I know I'll have him on. Uh, he and I have talked about this oodles of times, oodles of times. So, but, um, this is episode 12. It's in the books. It's online. I hope you like it. Uh, if you don't, send me a DM. Tell me what you don't like about it. If you do like it, tell your friends. Thanks. I appreciate all you guys. Thanks for all the love. <laughs>